the big thing to take away is when you look at what Walmart is selling versus what they're investing in. Walmart is simply caring more about Walmart at this point and its fulfillment, its tech, its brands. I'm Daphne Howland. And I'm Danny James, and we're reporters at Retail Dive. This is our podcast where we look into the biggest retail trends shaping the industry. We talk about what traditional retailers are up to, what's happening in the DTC space, and everything in between. Plus, we'll be talking to some industry experts along the way. This is The Backroom. Welcome back, Retail Dive audience. Today we are talking about Walmart and the unspooling of the e-commerce strategy that they seem to put in place around 2016. Just recently, news came that Walmart is selling plus-size DTC brand Eloquy to plus-size conglomerate full beauty brands for an undisclosed amount, but it's really just the latest of these brands that Walmart sort of acquired over a series of years recently. They're just letting it go. A couple weeks ago, they sold off Bonobos for a quarter of what they paid for it. And a few weeks before that, they sold off outdoor DTC brand Moose Jaw to Dick's Sporting Goods. All of these brands do seem to be heading to new owners that are probably a much better fit than Walmart ever was for them. And Danny, you cover DTC. You know, what do you think is going on here? And how do you think these brands are going to do in making this jump from their Walmart home to new ownership? Yeah, Daphne, I think it's a really good question. I mean, we're seeing a weird pattern emerging over the past few months with Walmart kind of selling off these predominantly direct-to-consumer brands. At least that's how they started when Walmart bought them. We know that a couple of them, I think Bonobos and Eloquy, may have had some sub-brands that were sold through Walmart, but they were predominantly direct-to-consumer. And when you mentioned kind of what retailer, what owner, what parent company is the best fit for some of these companies, I think the question is really, you know, these brands are standalone for the most part. Moose Jaw is standalone. Eloquy has a very specific niche that it's catering to. And Bonobos is also D2C menswear, right? So a little more specific than I think some of the apparel selection is at a Walmart retail store, if you ever go to one. And I don't know if these brands were maybe getting the brand growth and name recognition while being under the Walmart banner, as opposed to being owned perhaps by a more apparel-focused company one that has some other D2C brands under its wing and has been doing it for maybe a longer period than Walmart. That being said, I mean, WHP Global is the one, and Apparel Retailer Express are the ones who bought Bonobo. So that's a bit of a weird situation there with WHP Global. But Express, of course, has experience um, selling direct to consumer in stores and online with their own company. Yeah, and Express itself that brand is struggling, but they have this other brand up West that's doing really well. And I I imagine that they think Bonobos could be sort of like up West would be separate from the Express brand. This might mean that for the first time, Bonobos actually gets actual stores because forever, 
Bonobos was famous for just having guide shops where you'd go in and try stuff on, but then you'd order online. And I wonder if even though Walmart is unloading Bonobos, that maybe it's going to start acting more like a traditional retailer than it ever has, even when it was affiliated with Walmart. I'm realizing that a lot of what we're going to talk about today is probably speculation because these brands are, you know, starting new lives under new owners and there's only so much we can know. The other thing I wonder, and this kind of goes to your some of your work covering DTC is, so while they were under the Walmart umbrella, these brands, you know, whether or not they were profitable First of all, we didn't know because Walmart never talked about them individually during their earnings calls or anything, but it didn't matter because Walmart always makes money. So now I wonder, are they going to have to prove themselves and maybe talk a little bit about what the climate is like out there for DTC brands and expectations around profits? Yeah. The energy has shifted, I guess, just generally in the investor and smaller brand market, especially for brands that are even newer than Bonobos and Eloquy. But um, generally speaking, the past year and a half or so, uh, investors, venture capitalists, and private equity both have gotten a lot more stringent on proving profitability. And some of the venture capitalists I've spoken to they've pretty much just said you need a very clear and quicker path to reaching profitability than it used to be. I think we've spoken about this before on the podcast, but you know, back in the day, the last 10 years, a lot of D2C brands were at a growth at any cost mindset and not profitable at all for many, many years. Some of them, some of the big D2C brands that we know so well are still not profitable. And that's just shifted due to a ton of macroeconomic factors, of course, interest rates and inflation are all at play. And the consumer has also just changed its behaviors a bit. But yeah, some of these brands that are now leaving Walmart, I imagine the environment is different for them than when they left to join Walmart. You know, several years ago, some of these brands were acquired by the company, the retailer, like you said, in 2016, 2017. And Walmart is taking a big hit on at least we know Bonobos from what it paid for it years ago. Yeah, it got $75 million for Bonobos. It paid $310 million. That hurts. And I have to say, that alone is a problem, but at least Walmart is ripping the Band-Aid off. I have to think that at Walmart, someone is thinking, or maybe Sam Walton, you know, in his grave is thinking, okay, what kind of fever dream were you in, Walmart, that you decided that profitless money losers were the thing to invest in for for the next five years. Because Walmart just has been for, I don't know, since the 50s, pretty good at making money. So it's just a weird left turn for them. Yeah. And I imagine it doesn't feel good for the brands to be re-entering, you know, being bought by another company for far less than what they were bought for a few years ago. Whether Walmart simply overpaid by a lot a few years ago, maybe is more so the point. But all to say, re-entering this, you know, new parent company, new investor environment at this time for these brands probably isn't the best experience. But maybe they'll grow more at another company. I mean, you know, all to be seen in the next few years, to your point earlier. 
But when I look at this pattern over the past few months, I think the big thing to take away is when you look at what Walmart is selling versus what they're investing in. Walmart is simply caring more about Walmart at this point and its fulfillment, its tech, its brands that it's housed. So, okay, Sam Walton, you can stop rolling over in your grave. In other words, Walmart is hardly done with tech. It's just that it's going toward things that are really meaningful to its operations. The one thing when you talk about, you know, can be scary for these brands to kind of not have that protection of the giantness and the resources that Walmart has, they're going to smaller new owners. Although Dick's Sporting Goods for Moose Jaws, it seems like a really good fit and a really good parent. And Dick's is not struggling the way, say, Express is. But one thing I wonder is while they were at Walmart, how much attention did their brands get? You know, when Bonobos was bought, when Mod, especially Mod Cloth and Eloquy, there was inevitably stories about those customers being really upset because they were participating in a brand that was an upstart. It was a disruptor. It was DTC. It was fresh. And all of a sudden, Walmart owns them. I think there was a lot of concern about how things would change. It's hard to know if you think about Mod Cloth, what kind of brand that might be today if it hadn't taken this detour. It's possible that all the stuff you're talking about around profitability would have gotten to it eventually anyway. So maybe maybe the time spent at Walmart actually lengthened its lifetime. I don't know. Mod Cloth is not out of business, but it is sort of a shadow of its former self. It's really lost a lot of that. I think its merchandise has changed a little bit. The vibe is sort of not what it was. It just isn't what people loved about it when it was, you know, it had that community and the blog and its communications with customers were very direct. And it's gone through a couple of owners now because Go Global, who bought it from Walmart and was really adamant about taking care of mod cloth has turned around and sold it again. So I think these are all turning into individual mystery stories as these companies spin off of Walmart. Yeah. And I think with the Eloquy brand, it's it's coming at a unique time, Eloquy being a plus size focused apparel company. It's coming at a unique time in the conversation around inclusivity and just plus size clothing in general. Some Brands have let go of some of their more inclusive sizing options. Walmart, you know, pretty much in their statement to you, I think about the sell-off of Eloquy said they've expanded their own assortment at Walmart.com since acquiring Eloquy very greatly. And they just think it's the right time to, to offload this brand. So it almost sounds like maybe Walmart learned, you know, more about inclusive sizing through acquiring Eloquy. And they simply don't need them anymore. But it's all at a very unique time in that type of conversation about inclusivity and broader sizing options. It's definitely true. And, you know, Walmart has always had a robust offering around Plus. But, you know, Eloquy was more than just amounts of merchandise. It it had really nice style, which is something that that customer sometimes complains about not being included in the kind of fashion and style that everyone assumes everyone else is interested in. I also spoke to Lisa Amlani about this acquisition, and she was basically saying Walmart has more work to do around that merchandise, and 
if they don't apply some of that lesson, then the money they spent and the time they spent with Eloquy will be a waste of time. I think that Eloquy is holding on to the loyalty of its customer and the co-founder is even still there. So that seems encouraging. So I actually, I want to back up just a second because I don't think we've really talked about just how many companies we're talking about here. So in 2016, Walmart kind of entered its most blatant form of competition with Amazon by buying Jet.com for $3.3 billion. That was pretty jaw-dropping, and a lot of people were confused, and a lot of people were really happy that Walmart finally got the message that, you know, Amazon was ruining its life. So that was 2016. In the ensuing years, Walmart bought a series of smaller DTC brands. And by the way, Jet was basically a marketplace, kind of like Amazon's marketplace. Walmart bought Bare Necessities, which was a DTC Intimates brand, Shoes.com, ModCloth, which we already talked about, which I just remember a lot of quirky dresses. I once complimented someone at the grocery store for her coat, and she said, you got it from ModCloth. They bought Moose Jaw, which is an outdoor retailer, Bonobos, Eloquy. In the past few years, they wound down Jet. They just stopped doing Jet in 2020. They sold Bare Necessities. They sold the Shoes.com URL because I don't think it was necessarily a DTC brand. I think it was actually just a URL. Sold off ModCloth. And then this year they've sold off Moose Jaw, Bonobos, and Eloquy. That's a lot of activity, a lot of excitement in 2016 that's turning into maybe signs of whatever, giving up, struggle, volatility. Does this sound like the DTC landscape in general to you, just based on your reporting? Yeah, I mean, I think even pre, right, there's this conversation about during the pandemic, the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, that there was a huge boom in e-commerce and, you know, some of these D2C brands. That is definitely true that there's been a huge peak in that during 2020, 2021, that has now quickly fallen. But I think even before that, right, there was this huge D2C boom, you know, lasting from 2013, 2015, 2016, right? I think that's where Walmart came in and said, this is the time to like capitalize on that and kind of invest in some of these newer brands. They were in that space at that time, 2016 and before where investing in these brands may have made sense. Um, Maybe did they pay too much for them? Not for me to determine, but they're coming off of that peak, I think, right now. And throughout the pandemic, I think they've realized that there's just been ebbs and flows in the e-commerce and B2C branding and customer profile that they haven't had as much of an issue with, perhaps, with their core Walmart audience. So yeah, it's a little bit of an ebb and flow and they're, they're, it's an issue across the whole industry. I think Walmart is kind of coming to the game a little late in terms of realizing that not all e-commerce brands are you know, worth all the money in the world. But yeah, it's certainly a trend and hence why they are just investing a lot more in their back operations and fulfillment tech. I think even at their latest investor call, automation was a huge conversation and 
it's all about the Walmart brand, the Walmart stores, and less so about these sub brands that they've purchased over the years, because I think they're just investing more in themselves. So I think that's a really good point. I think what you're what you say about the investor meeting is so true. If you think about it, these brands were so focused on apparel and you know, obviously Walmart is one of the biggest retailers of apparel actually, but that's not what they do and it seems like as you said, now they're they're realizing, yeah, we're about tech, but we're talking about omnichannel, they're talking about automating stores, automating warehouses and really leveraging their stores so all the success that they had around store customers who also want to do online orders whether they do an online order and pick it up at the store or whatever they seem to be really invested in that area and smoothing that stuff over and i i have to say this is one place where it feels like the tables are turned with amazon because walmart has so many stores at that meeting they said something that they say probably 10 times a year which is 90% of the US population lives within 10 miles of a Walmart store that's a lot of stores and Amazon has like a fraction of that so if the future of a mass merchant is omnichannel Walmart seems to have you know its advantage Yeah, they have the upper hand on that. Yeah, Walmart is investing heavily in its stores, which I think have always kind of been its strength to begin with. And it has focused a little more on its own apparel offerings online as well, I should say. They've expanded fit technology basically on their app and their website where you can do a topographical mapping of different apparel options on your body to see if they fit. So they're investing in apparel to a degree, but um, it's very focused on their own channels and not really for these brands that they maybe acquired the past few years who are not sold through Walmart directly. You know, I didn't even realize that they were doing that. That's really interesting. Yeah, a little bit of a controversial piece of technology, but um, yes, yeah, it, it, it actually right. comes from an acquisition they made, I think in 2019. I, I don't remember the exact year, but they acquired a fit technology company a few years ago, I think pre-pandemic or right at the onset of it. And they're just now implementing more of that, that technology into their own offerings. But um, yeah, on the topic of Amazon and other retailers, we will continue to watch those trends. And I'm sure we'll be talking about them more in upcoming podcast episodes. And for now, we're certainly going to keep watching Walmart. We'll see if there's any other sub brands that's maybe selling off this year. I'm sure there's a few hiding under the couch cushions that we might have forgotten about. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. This episode of The Backroom was produced and edited by Caroline Jansen. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.